don't kid yourself that you can create an apples to apples scenario. You can get close, but don't kid yourself into thinking you can get an apples to apples scenario of what are, what is the quote unquote butts and seats attendance online and then compare that to your weekend numbers. I think there are some conservative comparisons that you can do absolutely to, to gauge your reach, but don't, I don't fall into that trap of saying, oh man, this is, this is the same or this is better or uh, any of that. But that's how we calculate it at one and all. Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I'm Neil Smith, joined with Aaron Magnuson, and we are talking about Easter. Now, we are post-Easter, and so we're going to debrief Easter. Aaron, uh, I'd love to hear, how was your Easter? My Easter, Nils, was unlike any other, 2020. It's from the family unit side, uh, we're to remind our listeners, we are currently still living in a world that is experiencing the coronavirus and we're all quarantined in our houses. It sounds uh, apocalyptic at this point. Uh, if you're a listener listening to this a couple of years from now or, or even a couple of months from now, but uh, we spent Easter uh, just with my immediate family, obviously. And by immediate, I mean my wife and my two kids in our house, uh, did a little Easter egg hunt outside, took a couple pictures, but there was nobody there to take a picture. Uh, what's funny is I, and, and Nils uh, has been on, on staff at a church before I had more time to, uh, take pictures with my family on Easter in a quarantine season like this, running a whole bunch of online services. Uh, and, it was just a, a way better Easter experience than being able to go to church when I can't find my family. Cause I'm uh, in the back somewhere <laughs> pushing buttons. I uh, can't take a picture. So we just set up like a, a tripod uh, with our camera, took a picture. So nobody was even there to take pictures of our family. Uh, this is one of the most historic and strange Easter's ever, not just for the family unit, but also for the church. Yes. Uh, and so our church had our executive pastor in, in a meeting post Easter on, on Monday uh, said this might have been one of the best Easter's ever. Uh, not just, not just in the season, not just this type of Easter, uh, but the best Easter he has ever seen. Uh, and it was, it was unbelievable because there was no live elements. Uh, our good Friday service and our Easter service were both entirely pre-recorded uh, a week or two before uh, edited by a videographer, edited, mixed and mastered by an audio engineer and presented 24 times. Uh, we ran 24 live services over the course of Good Friday and Easter into people's living rooms. And the response was unbelievable. I, I don't think people fully understood that you could have such a spiritual, Holy Spirit led, Jesus encountering living room experience with something not live, pre-recorded, uh, prayed about and then delivered 24 times in the life change that we saw over the past weekend and the encouragement of our staff, all being online pastors in the comment section was one of the most uh, revolutionary, innovative, incredible things I have ever witnessed. Nils, I would love wow. to know your experience of Easter. Yeah, I, uh, that's fascinating. And I want to dig into how, what you did in your service and yeah. what, what the experience was like and what this might mean for the future of, of one and all church. But you know, we, um, we go to Hillsong church here. And so we, we got up at 
and went to the 9 a.m. service. We actually did an Easter egg hunt in our living room. Nice. Uh, for, for our kids, last year we were on the mayor's front lawn outside, and it was a beautiful day here on Sunday. Uh, but we, you know, stayed inside as, as we have to, and uh, like everyone else did. And we, we, we had a great time. The kids, uh, we all dressed up in our Easter clothes and sat on the couch. Uh, did our 9 a.m. Easter service, and then we have Connect Group right after that. So our, our some other families, and they were it was fun. They were all dressed up as well. Um, and uh, I don't think we actually even took any family photos, but nice. we um, yeah. So that was our Easter, and then we watched uh, Transformation Church a- after that. So we kind of double dipped mm-hmm. um, with, with with our church experiences on, on our living room. The kids joined us for Hillsong, um, and then just Katie and I did. Uh, Transformation Church together, and so it was a it was a full day, and it was a fun day. Um, here's some stats, Aaron, that I yeah. read after um, read afterwards. I, I will say though, Aaron, as an online guy, I was so fired up about seeing this. Yes. As a 39 year old man who uh, really likes going to church physically, sure. I missed the physical gathering, mm. uh, and so as as fired up I am about the ministry that took place. Um, I would have preferred, if I'm honest, to to have gone to our our a physical gathering. Yeah, uh, I'm, so I'm really that, glad that, that you said that. Second. I think that's important and, and good. Yeah. I, I don't feel that way. Uh, I don't want to say at all uh, or as much. I think I was so fascinated to see what a big a big like the biggest yeah. for some churches. It's it's between this or Christmas for all churches. Yeah. Uh, what that would feel like exclusively online. Uh, and so I think I'm probably still living in the high of, of, of this. I think you've probably seen nothing quite like this, but you've seen probably a little bit more things in your day. And so this for me was my first real experience of what this could be like. And so some of that, some of that, uh, shimmer and shine may have worn off. Nils, you've been in this game quite a bit longer than me. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that you said that. I think some listeners are going to be able to relate. I I don't want to, at the risk of putting out a podcast like this, I don't think Nils or I want to diminish the fact never are we preaching, uh, never meet again. Let's do everything digitally. Um, we're not preaching that at all, but I think that there is something to be gained and some innovation to be learned through what's about to be shared, uh, on this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a fascinating moment in the, in the history of the church and, and the conversations we're having. And this is, uh, and I've been spending a lot of time in conversations with the folks at, at Live Church around the Church Online platform. And um, boy, they built this thing 10 years ago, but, but this is the moment where they've had to step yeah. up and they have stepped up. Uh, that, that's for sure. And, and here's the numbers that they shared um, is on Easter Sunday, they had 31,858 services, 9,734,234 attenders, 9 million, um, 9.7 million. Uh, 69,422 people indicated a decision uh, to follow Christ um, and every country on earth was reached with their services. Wow. Uh, how incredible uh, is that data to understand a, yes. a sliver of the impact uh, that, that took place on Easter this year? I, I, Facebook numbers, I think, would be probably 10x that. Um, as yes. most churches, especially most smaller churches, were broadcasting uh, on on Facebook that that we're doing some kind of live stream, and it it was it's fascinating. You know, I um, you know you and I both uh, meet with Transformation Church on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and they uh, I was we were, I was texting with their reach pastor is is his title, uh, Demario, and he 
on Sunday and I was watching the numbers and we were at like 60,000 live at that moment. Simultaneously, they just bought an, an arena, you know, this huge arena, one of the largest auditoriums in the country, which seats about 4,000 people for a church. Um, and, and it, it, that would be filling up their arena. What? Like 20 times. That's right. And so, uh, it's, and, and we're talking about one service. One they service. Did, they, this was one service on one yes. platform. Yes. And that's just YouTube. That's uh, right. And so, yeah, it, it is, it, it was unbelievable to see so many churches having exponential impact. Yes. I will sacrifice my preferences of being in a room for the greater ministry impact all day. Uh, yes. And I, I think, you know, as I think what's going to come out of this is I, I think next year people will probably begin gathering again at Easter. They're not going to just go online, but I yep. think they will prioritize uh, their online experience in a much more significant way. Aaron, I'm, I'm curious though, let's go back to one and all. Yep. What was your service like? How did you, I'm, I've been seeing a lot of clips on YouTube of people yep. doing, you know, zoom choirs and things like that. What, what yep. did you guys do from just a worship experience standpoint? So we're, we're lucky enough that uh, we have two particular individuals who aren't on staff, but are in our church. They, they both freelance. One is a videographer and one's an audio engineer. Uh, and so we pre-recorded. Um, well, I, I should say this. We went back and forth because for, for a moment, uh, I think our church was really hoping that we would be back. The quarantine would not be long. We'd be back live for Easter, have a big celebration weekend. Um, and so our uh, team that was producing the service was kind of had their foot in both camps for a moment where they're trying to plan a potential physical service, but they're also trying to plan this exclusively digital service. And so um, they ended up, uh, obviously deciding that we're not going to be meeting physically. And so then they had to go all in. And so what they did is they, and their budget got cut significantly because one of our goals here at one and all is to not lose a single employee, uh, whatever that costs. And so we're adjusting our budget and doing all those things. Cause, cause that's the most, that's the biggest priority being there for, for people's families and helping yeah. them keep their job. Yeah. Uh, and so their budget got cut significantly. So there's two forms of in two, uh, limiters that are forcing innovation within our church. One, not being able to gather physically and then also budget. And so they went to home Depot, they, uh, set up in the, the middle of our sanctuary, we took out all the chairs, set up uh, this um, kind of mock garden set, which matched uh, our Easter theme. Nice. Um, and they laid dirt down. They had some like uh, potted wow. plants and, and they just did this whole thing. And they, they kind of created this big circle environment. Uh, and we shot the, and we had multiple cameras because we had this uh, videographer and his, his team come in uh, and we shot a music video style service. Um, and, and the hosts just kind of came out in the middle and we, for the entire service, there were certain band members that just stayed on the whole time. And so there was always multiple figures, uh, in the shot, even while there was a 40 minute message being preached. Um, and it was just creatively shot. Uh, mixed and mastered to perfection. Uh, one of our pastors was like, it was great being able to crank this on my Bose uh, speaker system yeah. in my house. And it sounded amazing. Okay. Uh, and so we, and the same, the same was true for Good Friday, except they actually did uh, the same thing, but outside. Uh, yeah. And they timed it perfectly where the, the service was over the duration of the sunset happening. So the last shots were pitch black with just uh, the people there lit up. And so, um, 
there was some really creative things that were done on a low budget, but with the intention of this is going to be consumed in a living room. And so it needs to be conveyed a little bit differently where it feels like you're a part. And so both of those services were shot uh, in a circle. So you felt like you were a part of a circle or an onlooker of what you felt apart. Uh, And I think that that was a really great um, moment and especially having, so I guess what I'm trying to say is we actually, created a service, not through the eyes of a production team or a pastor, but through the eyes of a videographer, a filmmaker, uh, which films are consumed generally by yourself on your phone or in a living room, or at least in an intimate setting. And I think that that added this interesting dynamic to when our pastors experienced this, both of the services, there was this feeling of like, wow, I never knew you could experience that much energy by just with your family, with four or five people in a room together. I thought you needed hundreds, thousands of people in an arena to get that kind of a feeling. Uh, And what was shown is that when you have the, when you have good audio and when you have good video, there's some really incredible things that can happen. And so that, that's what it was for us. None of it was live. None of it was even looked like a normal weekend. We, we decided to take the stage completely out of both of those experiences. And I think there was a unique thing that happened for our, our people, our church and our staff to see, wow, I had no idea I could feel this way uh, just watching something on a screen. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, I, one of the things I love seeing is that week to week since churches have been forced to go online is it felt like first week people just tried to imitate what they did in the room. And, um, and then every week I'm seeing more and more creativity come out and people realizing, wait, I'm not restricted. You know, somebody else preached from a field. I saw another, another pastor friend and, um, and, and, other people preaching from their living room or doing worship from their living room. And I will uh, say really quick Nils, one of the cool things, exactly what you're saying, you watched, it sounds like you watched a lot of services. And I remember turning to Megan, my wife, and we were able to watch our old church uh, in Oregon, a church of 300, mind you, they don't even have a building. uh, And they figured out a way to do uh, three days in a row, a good Friday, uh, a Saturday and a Sunday service. Uh, But being able to, and I I hear it in your voice, Nils, it was so great being able to double, triple, quadruple dip. And I'm, I'm, I'm on staff at a church and there were so many churches I was able to look at and be like, man, I am so glad that they are doing this and doing it differently. And so I don't want you to hear what one and all did as a listener and be like, dang, we should have, uh, we could never do that. Or we should have done that for me this weekend. And Nils, I'd love for you to speak into this. It felt like for, for the first time, there was no competition among the churches. We were all at the same time trying to blow up the internet, break the internet with a (laughs) bunch of streams. I mean, listen to those stats, 9 million people, every single country represented uh, with the gospel. And so I watched a ton of churches celebrating what they were doing, high quality, uh, lower quality, high production, lower production. The gospel was all over the internet this Easter and it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's it's a unique day. It's a unique time uh, in history. I'm curious, Aaron, how how the question I've been getting a ton because a lot of pastors are like, oh, we had sixty thousand people watch. Uh, so is that the same sure. as what we had at our physical services last year? How how are you guys counting um, to to get a comparison of yep. last year to this year or previous years and and this year online? So. so- 
specific, I have a couple thoughts on this, but I will specifically share the nuts and bolts. So what are attendance? And this is how we've been counting attendance pre coronavirus. Since I've been here, our best metric for counting attendance is the views, not unique views, but the views on YouTube and our church online platform, the, our YouTube video is embedded underneath. So we count views and peak live viewers on Facebook for all of our services. And that total together is what we are, are counting the uh, quote unquote butts in seats number. Um, but that's how we translate it. And so uh, we've, we've stayed true to that when we entered into coronavirus and then uh, we've stayed true to that when the, the, this past Easter. But the, the couple qualifiers that I want to say about it are, it is, and Nils and I would be the first ones to say this, it is very difficult. Uh, I actually think Jay Cranda has a really good uh, narrative surrounding this as well. Don't kid yourself that you can create an apples to apples scenario. You can get close, but don't kid yourself into thinking you can get an apples to apples scenario of what what is the quote unquote butts and seats attendance online and then compare that to your weekend numbers. I think there are some conservative comparisons that you can do absolutely to, to gauge your reach, but don't, don't fall into that trap of saying, Oh man, this is, this is the same or this is better or uh, any of that, but that's how we calculate it at one and all. Uh, and I, I try to take it with a grain of salt. I, I Nils also won't say this, but Dunham has a great resource I, and Nils, I'd love for you to share the link, but you guys at Dunham company have done a ton of work to try to close that gap as much as possible, uh, to make a virtual reality or a virtual number as close to a physical number as possible. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to, to hear your yeah. thoughts on that as well. You know, yeah, a couple of thoughts here. One, I mean, to, to speak to that resource. So I, I, I had so many conversations that I went ahead and just created a document for what I believe to be the most accurate alignment. And, and what it essentially is, Aaron, is I take the math of how many, what's the average length of time people come to your services, knowing people come in late and some mm-hmm. people leave a little early, but mostly come in late. And so if the average time is maybe 60 minutes or 50 minutes. You take that and you multiply it by the number of people that came to your service. And that's your total uh, number of minutes watched. So I think yep. it's minutes experience to minutes experience is the best apples to apples comparison. That's good. And so then you take the collective minutes listened to, and I think you can then divide that by the total number, uh, you know, yeah, that you could, of, uh, you know, of what that minutes of people sitting in there to get the apples to apples number. Yep. I've got it Dunham and company.com slash church. Uh, we'll leave that link in the show notes. If you want to go, it's a document that explains it and then yep. helps you create the formula for your church. Um, and it it makes some assumptions. It makes a calculation of how many average number of people behind a screen. Because I think one of the interesting things, and this is what I think is fascinating, is if it says 60,000 unique devices, they might not have been there for 30 minutes. But that is 60,000 unique totally people behind that and likely a lot of those are two or three people behind one of those screens correct and so sixty thousand people could genuinely mean a hundred thousand people um and so it's not an apples to apples but i guarantee you you were reaching more people than you were before if that number is higher you might not be reaching them as effectively you might not be reaching them as significantly um but you were reaching them And and I think that is, and you don't have to stop reaching them next year just because you have physical services. I hope that every year the churches see and saw and continue to lean in that 
this is not an either or opportunity. This is a both and opportunity. Yes. Uh, and just keep leaning into That's right. the significance of this opportunity because people click yeah. away to Easter this year. Yes. And, I, and to, to piggyback on that, I think while, while I'm talking about numbers and metrics being really difficult to, to create an apples to apples, what I do think was quickly grasped um, from doing this and particularly Easter sent it over the edge. I think when we go back to physical gatherings, you will, as, as, as a, as a teacher, uh, a pastor on stage or, or as even a worship leader, you will no longer be able to ignore the camera that's in the room because all of us right now are intimately aware that those aren't just numbers on the other side of that camera. Those are actual people that are engaging. And so I think every single pastor is going to learn the skill and every worship leader, anybody, uh, even hosts, anybody who comes on that stage is now going to realize dang, there's more people that are watching me through that camera that I need to talk to. So I'm really curious when we do have people in the room again, uh, are the pastors going to remember all of those other eyeballs that are looking at them through the camera? And so I think there's some interesting skills that are being learned. Uh, and I think, you know, the win is definitely how many people uh, viewed and, and you can speculate on all that, but more the win is the awareness now that those are people. Those aren't numbers or metrics. Those are people on the other side of that. Well, and I, you know, and I, I, I want to emphasize that we, we are recording this on Wednesday after mm -hmm. Easter. So this is fresh, yes. um, this conversation, and, and uh, people are still, you know, watching Easter services right. today, and, and they're still being impacted, and people are still getting saved. Um, and, yes. And so it is, it is incredible the, the, the long-term effects of prioritizing uh, that online ministry impact and opportunity. Um, Aaron, I, I want to ask you a question that I've yeah. got a thought I want to share while you're, yes. while you're processing your answer is what do you think one and all's Easter is going to look like next year, mm -hmm. assuming there's no coronavirus next year and you do have physical gatherings. What do you think the takeaway will be? Uh, because I know you probably as a team haven't had time to process it yet. So I'm curious your fresh thoughts on that. And when I say that, I, I want to share some experiences I've had just talking to some pastors. I want to encourage uh, some leaders right now um, while you process that, Aaron, yeah. is, is I have talked to a lot of pastors who are scared financially of what do we do? People are going to stop giving. We're in, and Aaron, you mentioned this earlier, you know, yeah. like we don't want to fire anybody. This is, um, and, and your livelihood is dependent on this. Yeah. Um, I've talked to, th there, there are three specific churches though that I have talked to who, who didn't hesitate to lean in in this moment. Uh, and all three of those churches have seen increased giving during this time. Now, we're just four weeks into this realistically, so we don't know long-term effects of this. Um, but I do believe that not just from a ministry impact opportunity, but literally even from a giving opportunity uh, that, that – if you're leaning in, you are going to see immediate fruits. I think if you're leaning in, you're going to see long-term fruits as well. And so I just want to encourage pastors, don't, don't retreat into we've got to survive this. Lean into the opportunity that exists in the moment of this, uh, because I think this is one of the most significant ministry opportunities that churches have ever had and, and might ever have in, in our lifetime. 
this is a this is a his, history historic moment uh, in our world uh, that we're living through. Um, and in the middle of that is an incredible ministry opportunity. And you don't have to retreat or just wait it out and hope you survive. Um, if if that's your mindset, you might as well just start figuring out your next life situation, job, whatever that is, after. Uh, this season, uh, because that's not the position that you need to be taking in this moment. So I just want to lay out that I, I guess I turned into encouragement into a challenge uh, there because um, I'm fired up about this moment. And I'm so honestly, I'm disappointed uh, by, by some pastors that I've had conversations with in this season. And I'm so inspired uh, by some pastors that, that I've seen having some with some conversations that I've been having. Aaron, as you think, though, to Easter uh, <laughs> next year at One and All Church, what uh, what do you think it's going to look like? What 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 are you, what are your per- guesses as to what that looks like a year from now? Yeah, well, it's uh, it is difficult to to make make a guess on that, uh, and particularly not being somebody who plays a big role in the formulation of um, of a service. Yeah, uh, I. I I was asked to do a couple elements of that service, but I'm, I'm not the one who's formulating it. I would say starting with good Friday, I would say there, I, there should now be zero hesitation. I was telling Nils before we jumped on this last year, which was my first Easter here at one and all um, last year. Uh, we actually have to meet because our main campus is too small. It can't, we would have to run a billion services to get everybody in there for Easter. And so we actually have to go to a a, a local university here and throw, um, throw our Easter service, but we do our good Friday service here. And so I would watch our production team, uh, throw on an incredible good Friday service at our campus and then stay up all night pack up out of there and set up for Easter at Azusa Pacific University uh, and get ready for the first Easter services on that following Saturday. Uh, And they would work so hard. And I I just had this thought after watching what Sandals Church did last year uh, for Good Friday, they actually did a Good Friday at home. Hey, take your community group, take your life group, whatever you guys call it in, in your localized context, take your neighborhood, make it evangelistic and do Good Friday at home. And they actually created and crafted this whole uh, service uh, a year before coronavirus. I just think it's so fascinating. And they said, do it at home. And they saw their reach ex- exponentially grow, very similar to what we all experienced on Easter this year. And so next year for Good Friday, I think there would be zero hesitation in easing the workload on a, from a production standpoint of saying, we're going to shoot a completely at-home experience for Good Friday. There's also something unique about Good Friday. The tone gets translated correctly. One of our pastors here, Steve, uh, was talking, he's like, Good Friday is one of the hardest tones to translate um, to, to get the vibe right, to get the feel right. I mean, Jesus dying, the, you, you want to have a service, you want to have something meaningful, but to get the vibe right, and that was really well created in a living room off of a video. Uh, it translated better than it's, he said it's the best one he's ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and so I think as far as Good Friday goes, there should be zero hesitation to do, hey, why don't you do Good Friday at home, make it an evangelistic opportunity. Uh, and then as far as Easter goes, what my, what my hope would be uh, is off of this, we learned some new rhythms. Mm. Uh, and even we're talking about when we have physical gatherings again, there were some uh, stuff we did in the pre-roll stuff leading up to service that created really good energy before that first moment even happened on stage. And so I think there's some creative rhythms to creating a really great experience that things we don't even think about um, that were 
that we would be able to interject into a physical service um, with some pre-recorded elements. So I guess the the simple answer would be for Easter next year, I would expect to see a lot more pre-recorded elements that would translate across all of our campuses. I'm not sure if we're going to have another campus by then, but that would be four physical campuses. We certainly are keenly aware of an online audience. And so the more pre-recorded produced elements there are, the better that translates a moment across all physical campuses instead of just one really cool element happening at one location and then the rest get some subpar version of that uh, as well as translating to people's living rooms. Um, But I do have a difficult time seeing just the nature of our lead pastor Jeff Vines. He really enjoys the crowd as most pastors do and feeding off of the crowd. Uh, I was even listening to the previous episode episode here um the social media church podcast you were interviewing chris emmett and talking about i've been doing this for years i've actually even gotten really good at preaching to a camera and i don't like it and so i have a hard time ever seeing that being fully pre-recorded to where uh our lead pastor wouldn't have anything to do per se on on an easter and so i think that element would would always be live but i would expect to see a lot more video content a lot more things that are engaging on the screen while maybe something's happening in the room as well um i know Hillsong, they throw on a lot of conferences and I've been able to kind of see some back door stuff because of relationships that I have here where they do a good job of matching what's happening on the screen with maybe some stuff that's happening on the stage. But I think people are keenly aware of the value and and just scalability of being able to pre-produce something instead of killing yourself by putting all of these physical elements together and then trying to nail it and time it all live. Uh, It's just a lot of work that we don't necessarily need to do. I'd be yeah. curious your thoughts though, Nils, what do you see for next year's Easter? Yeah. You know, I, and while we were talking, uh, another pastor, uh, that a friend of mine just texted me, uh, this is a church of about a thousand people and, uh, they, that averages about a thousand weekly and probably would have expected about 1500 on Easter, I would guess. And he just texted me that they had 31,000 people. Wow. And, um, their online Easter service. Wow. And yeah, so he is, he is fired up. Um, and, and so I think, I think so many, this is the case for, for so many and people were able to share Easter with a click of the button and people were able to attend uh, with the click of the button. Um, and, and I think that 31,000 doesn't translate to 31,000 sure. butts and seats. Uh, he knows that I know that we all know that. Uh, but what that does mean is 31,000 right. unique different people uh, engaged with their church this Easter. Yes. And they would have never people, they would have never reached otherwise if they didn't prioritize online. So I think as I look forward, I I think the bottom line is that, that I think people are going to be prioritizing an online experience. I I think we still need to put a ton of creativity into that physical worship environment, that physical worship experience. Uh, but I think just as important, if not even more important, is that online worship experience and yeah, what yeah. that means from an evangelism perspective and Easter being uh, what we often refer to as the Super Bowl Sunday of yeah, church yeah. and and what we put so much energy into, mm-hmm. uh, I think putting that energy into your online experience more or, or yes. just as much as you do your physical experience and maybe they're different. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think, I think we're going to see a lot of creativity next year. Yes. Um, and I think it's just going to be a priority here on out. Um, I think a lot of people it will fade and, and I think sure. they're, they will continue to kind of shift back to it being secondary or yeah. them feeling like it's taking, it's 
helping people, encouraging people to not phys- gather in physical community right. which is unhealthy in its own right. Yes. And so I think, which I think we're feeling a tension of right now and, and yes. just our human experiences and tensions around quarantine. So I, yeah, I yeah, think what I've thought specifically, specifically about what you just said about gathering uh, and, and the quality, I think about two things. I think about the, the, the isolated, well, we would call it isolated gatherings that's happening right now with quarantining. Uh, what, how I viewed that um, and the quality of the service going up, encouraging people to stay home. I think that narrative still hasn't changed. Like we have a new way to fear it now, but, but the reality is people were talking about online taking away from physical 10 years ago, even before people were quarantined. And I think the, the more positive way to look at it is it's, there's an opportunity, let me say it that way, for it to be more evangelistic, where if people are at home, and, and this is really going to be more powerful with the second thing that I've realized, uh, but if people are at home, they have an opportunity to bring people into their homes, not to a building, not even to drive 20 minutes and maybe go to a physical church uh, down the highway or whatever, but just people are right there, invite them in, do something that's more intimate, more connected. The evangelistic nature of what online church could be, even if they are staying home, not gathering in a physical spot could be unreal. And I would combine that with saying, I heard a narrative of people and particularly living here in LA, there's a lot of people at our church who know people who don't go to church, but they're almost embarrassed to invite them. And now we have a great production even live on a weekend, but it's like, if our production is really bad and I'm talking to artists, I'm talking to producers, I'm talking to filmmakers here in LA, uh, they're not going to be like, it's not even, they're not going to be able to get past how bad the production is to hear the message in the first place. And what I heard this weekend is I was so comfortable inviting people. So what I heard was evangelism was actually happening at a higher level than it was before uh, because our production was so good. I felt like, man, I want them to see this. I want them to see what we created. I'm proud of what our church created. And so I think when we start thinking about what the goal is, is the goal to have a really big gathering and have a ton of butts and seats or is the goal to spread the gospel on all of the continents everywhere uh, and to spread it in such a way where people are inviting others who don't know Jesus to hear that message. This particular Easter, I heard stories that I have never heard before that are completely in line with what our goal as a church is. And that's to bring people far from God near to God. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. It's, it's, it's an exciting day um, for those of us that, in online ministry that have been passionate about that and, yeah. and seeing the church lean in. So I'm, I'm grateful. I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this leads. I've, I appreciate so many uh, that have reached out to, to yep. you and I um, in this season and allowed us to speak in uh, yep. to their, their churches. And, um, and I'm excited to see where this all goes, Aaron. I'm uh, grateful for you, you know, boots on the ground doing mm-hmm. this in, in the trenches uh, in your leadership and, and letting us all learn uh, from you in this growing experience. And I just want to wrap up just saying, thank you. Thank you to all the pastors out there, the ministry yep. leaders out there who are, who are leaning in uh, during the season. And, and we're excited to see where it goes. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll have show notes. We'll have links to a lot of the stuff we talked about socialmedia.church. We've got some other free resources there on the website. Go check it out. Uh, get that, get that, get those resources, check those links, uh, socialmedia.church. We will talk to you again on the next episode.